Father God, thank you so much for teaching us through your word, and we thank you for the word. We thank you that we're not left to our own guesses and our own devices, but you have spoken to us through your word, and uh, we ask that you would speak today through your word, that you would move powerfully, that the word would cut into our hearts, and it would uh, it would change us. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to be active in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We are going through a series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're calling it the, the Ten Words of God. These are the words by which uh, we are called to live. These are the words in which God has given us to say, this is my intention for you. This is the best way to live. If you live according to these words, your life is going to fall in line with what I intended for you. So um, our first, our, our fifth word here is honor your parents. It's... Um, let me just go ahead and read this from Exodus 20. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So this is, uh, uh, to give a little context, so Moses, he comes down with, with the Ten Commandments of God, and um, there's, uh, this, this, this fifth commandment is the one commandment in which long life is associated with it. So all the other ones, uh, none, none, of the, none of them say that if you obey this, you're, your, your life will uh, go on and be extended. So this is the one unique thing about this uh, commandment, honor your parents. Um, just uh, like growing up, um, did you guys ever hear this? Like if you ever got in trouble, like you should honor your parents or if you ever came to a decision that you needed to make. Did you guys ever hear this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in, uh, in cultures where there's a big emphasis placed on family and community. Uh, there's the trump card always is if a kid wants to go off and do their own thing like let's say for example they want to go off to a certain college and then the parents go no you're going to go to this other college and what's it going to be is it going to be your choice is it going to be your parents choice the parents will say even if they're not uh, strong believers they may they'll know this verse on your parents because uh, this kind of is a catch-all for them this you should listen to us because god says you should uh, but it's the the commandment goes much deeper than that. It's not only to obey your parents, although it does include that. Uh, if we notice here, or let, let, me, let me point out one thing: the commandment here is not just for children. The command, when it was given, was given to grown men and women, uh, men and women who had their own families. And God is saying, not only when you're a child, not only um, and to the point that you become 18 years old or 21 years old, but Throughout your entire life, you are to honor your parents. So we'll talk about what that means. Um, we'll talk about the implications it has. We'll talk about how Christ transforms our understanding of the fifth commandment. So the uh, it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament we see the importance of honoring your parents. So if you if we look at the some of the Old Testament books, they'll say I'm paraphrasing here, but they'll say if you don't obey your parents. You're going to be taken out to the city gates, and people are going to stone you. If you don't honor your parents, you will die. God took it that seriously, and he meant it. If you did not honor your parents, you deserve death. People were actually killed. They were stoned to death because they didn't honor their parents. Not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. We see, uh, what does what does God equate not honoring your parents with. So we see uh, here, I'm going to ask Harry to read Romans 1.30, please. Slanderers, haters of God, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. 
Paul here is saying that those who are disobedient to their parents are in the same league as those who are haters of God, as those who are inventors of evil. Um, we go on, Second Timothy. Tommy, can I have you read that, please? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. All right. Why is God so concerned about us being obedient to our parents? And um, I'll talk more about it later, but just kind of in a nutshell. Or let, let me let me get your ideas. Uh, I think you guys might have some thoughts. Why do you think it's so important for us to be obedient to our parents? Why does God care? It's a reflection of like the relationship with us and Christ. So it's like um, we may think we know best all the time, mm-hmm. but parents will say otherwise. And so yeah. I just have to to heed their advice. Right. I think it's also like between God and Jesus, like the relationship. Because if <coughs> Jesus didn't obey God's will for him and die on the cross, then it's, I don't know. yeah, it's a reflection of um, what happened in the Godhead. Okay. Um, two things. First, uh, the lesser thing is that your parents are the first, typically your first image of authority. And the deeper thing is that uh, for a long time I used to think of the Ten Commandments as a list. Um, however, that, that made kind of the first two somewhat redundant. But I think that a better understanding of the Ten Commandments is more like concentric circles, where wherein God is saying, <coughs> if you insert the line, I am so God, you know, God is so holy that you don't have any other God before him. God is so holy, you don't have any graven, you don't have any images like graven images before him, God is so holy, do not abuse his name. God is so holy, do not abuse his holy day. And then you can add in the last line, God is so holy, do not abuse the images of authority that I put on here on earth that are images of my actual authority. Yeah. Thanks. Good thoughts. I mean, th- these are this is a reflection of <coughs> the priorities of God. And um, if you guys have um, if you guys have ever heard uh, lesson sermons on um, authority, um, you'll know that the Bible says that we are all placed under authority. So whether it be civil authority, whether it be parental authority, whether it be um, authority, uh, the authority of God, all of us, no matter how hard we try to live independent, um, we mm-hmm. all live under some type of rule. So whether or not we, we obey civil authorities, um, we're going to obey something uh, and we may say we have freedom if we're if we don't have this type of authority, but even the things that we say give us freedom, they actually uh, say that we need to live a certain way. So no matter how we live, we're going to live under some type of authority. Uh, so it, the Bible says there are legitimate forms of authority. So civil in Romans thirteen, there's this whole discussion on what is our responsibility as citizens. Um, we are we are to submit to civil authority, even. At times when we don't agree with them, we are to submit to them. When it comes to parental authority, we are to submit to that as well. So, uh, so there, God has this, he's telling us in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you need to honor your parents, you need to obey your parents. But what about those who have strained relationships with their parents? What about those who, their parents are abusive? What about those who whose parents are completely... Um, Insane. What about parents who are just bad parents who have terrible ideas? What do we do about that? 
um, this this commandment is not. It doesn't say in, that you are to um, just just uh, turn a blind eye to their faults. It's not to say that you know um, your your parents are so bad, your situation is so bad that you can ignore this commandment. This commandment still applies to us. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how um, we are to honor our parents, and then we'll see how. Uh, looking at the whole scope of scripture, how does it fit in that we can still obey our parents even if we hate them, even if we have a broken relationship with them? So, um, the first one is this. Uh, Derek, I'm going to have you read Leviticus 19, please. Acknowledge them. You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. All right. We, in uh, 21st century West, Western civilization, uh, we have such an emphasis on youth. And we, if we watch pop, if we are, have our heads in any type of pop media, uh, the emphasis is always placed on the young people, the beautiful people, those who are under 30. I, like, um, I was reading an article, I think it was in SFK or the Chronicle, where in San Francisco, if you're over... 30 years old, the tech firms aren't going to hire you. Like, have you guys heard this? Like, they want youth. They want uh, this this uh, the, the energy that comes with young people. And uh, because we are such an independent culture, we don't always look to our elders. We don't always look to those who have come before us. But God says here, one of the ways that we honor our parents is that we acknowledge who they are. We acknowledge that despite the faults, they have gone before us. They've set an example for us. They have done for us um, things that we could not do for ourselves. So that's one way to honor our parents is to acknowledge them. Our second, Jesse, can I have you read First Timothy, please? Sure. Provide for their physical needs. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than unbeliever. All right, thank you. Provide for their physical needs. So, remember I said that this, this commandment in the Exodus, honor your parents, one of them, it was made to adults, grown men and women with elderly parents, uh, for, for many of them. How do you honor them? Uh, here, it's saying, oh, actually, let me, let me go back to the uh, Old Testament times. You were to honor your parents by providing for them physically. So, the way that it worked back in the day was, even if you got married, you would still... You would, the, the bride and groom would live with the par- with the groom's parents, and they were to provide for them. They were to if whatever they earned, they were to put aside a portion of their income to support their old their their their, their parents. So here in the New Testament, we get this again. Uh, we're being instructed, even uh, if you are not living with your parents, you are to provide for them. You are to provide financially for them. You have to provide for them resources that they need. This is another way that we honor our parents. Okay? So, uh, it's, it's interesting here in the Timothy, it says that if you don't take care of your parents, if you don't take care of your relatives, you're worse than an unbeliever. Not even an unbeliever ignores this comment. Um, for the believer, how much more are we to, to obey these commandments? And then this final... This final uh, final point, um, I don't have a scripture passage, but um, from what I've heard of uh, experience of life peop- uh, of people, um, they have things to say. So let me have Tim. Can you read this quote from Robert Penn Warren? Robert Penn Warren says, 
the truth always kills the father. Um, and then can I have uh, Tracy Rankin Wilborn, please? We are bound to reproduce what we cannot forgive. All right. There, going back to those who have strained relationships with their parents or parents who are abusive, there, it's one thing to tell, to hear the commands that we are to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. Um, but it's another thing to forgive someone who has wounded you deeply, someone who has, has they, they've put you in a direction that's, that's full of anger and bitterness and hurts. What do you do in those circumstances? And I think the biblical way of looking at forgiveness is um, forgiveness doesn't mean does not mean that we, we look at the faults of our parents and say, that's okay, I'm going to forget about it. But it's to say, I'm not going to hold... Um, these offenses against you because I trust that God will vindicate me. I trust that God is fighting on my behalf. So I don't need to hold this bitterness and anger against you. And just to, um, I'm not going to give a whole lesson on forgiveness um, <coughs> because I don't, um, like, I'm, I don't have that much experience in this area. And I know that some of you guys could tell stories and stories and stories of how difficult it is to forgive and how difficult it is to look at someone who has wounded you so deeply um, but this is uh, this is one thing that we a, w- a way that we can honor our parents is to not hold against them forever the hurt that they cause us and this is not to diminish our own hurt but it's to say um, my parents who in some way gave me life I'm going to acknowledge at least that I'm going to acknowledge that they have experience I'm going to acknowledge that they have done maybe some things for me um, and it's to say that uh, as as part of my responsibility, I am going to provide for them financially. So there's a whole dynamic here of, uh, of parental and child relationships that um, I'm not going to go into because I think other people can talk about this more clearly. But what I want to look at is, is not just to say that we need to listen to everything our parents say, but I want to look at the whole scope of looking at the whole Bible. What does it mean for us as believers to honor our parents, right? Any comments or questions at this point before we move on? Timothy. Uh, what would you say to a statement that a statement, a statement saying that uh, uh, first Timothy I was talking about leaders and so it has like an up, um, a top down sort of logic and so to continue that logic seems to be saying uh, more about by saying that you have a family and you provide for a family as opposed to um, a child providing for their parents. Um, and also uh, uh, statements elsewhere that, I mean, I, I can accept that the relatives part could refer to the parents, but the household, if, if, you're, if you're married, you know, you, as the Bible said, you've left your mother and father and you have become one flesh with your wife, so that, that becomes your household. Is that yeah, so uh, Tim's question is... Um, How it applies to marry. Right. Um, so I'm not sure, in terms of the sociological <coughs> aspect, I'm not sure how, at this point, if people were still living with their parents after they got married. So I would need to check on that. But I would say, I would just um, go under the... I, w- I would say that relatives includes <coughs> your parents. Um, and um, looking at the Old Testament, I don't think that the New Testament supersedes the Old Testament in terms of what it tells us, in terms of like it, in the context of 
um, your parental relationships. I don't, I don't see anywhere where it says that um, that you you stop continuing to provide for your parents. So I would I would need to look at uh, maybe more of the sociological aspect of it. Uh, if you guys are into um, the sociological aspect of of the New Testament's uh, church and times in the Old Testament, there's a book. My my professor wrote a couple of books. One of them is called. Um, The, the title just slipped my head, but uh, if I remember it later, I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys. But uh, I'm sure I'll remember in the next 20 minutes. Okay, I want to move on just so we make sure we have enough time. So, does Jesus contradict the Fifth Commandment? So, here is Jesus, and if you guys have heard some of the crazy things that Jesus has said, he says these real extreme things, and kind of just set our, set our, um, to, to just uh, get us thinking about how Jesus relates to his parents. Do you remember a time when Jesus went to the, the temple when he was a child? And uh, he was gone for days. And he never told anyone. He didn't tell his parents where, where he was. And, and Jesus, his parents, they finally found him after days in the temple. I mean, imagine if you're a parent. Your kid is gone. You haven't heard from him in, in days. What could have happened to him? They finally find him. And they go, son, where have you been? And Jesus goes, don't you know I had to be about my father's business? He leaves it at that. And it's so it's so strange how Jesus um, thinks and talks sometimes, isn't it? As he continues on in his ministry, he says more things that really challenge the way people think about their relationship with their family. TJ, I'm going to have you read Luke 2.51, please. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. When Jesus uh, was younger, he still was submissive to his parents, and throughout, we'll see later, we'll, that he was um, honoring to his parents even to the very end of his life. So Jesus doesn't, he doesn't um, toss the fifth commandment aside. Uh, was Jesus disobedient to his parents when he went off to to be at the te- at the temple? Let's look at uh, Matthew eight twenty one. Allison, please. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Yeah, so back as it was a custom uh, back in the day, and even now, if your parents died, it was your obligation as a son or daughter to take care of the burial, to to make sure that uh, that aspect was taken care of. Um, so here is someone goes to Jesus and says, Lord, I, I, I'll, I'll follow you, but... Um, I need to take care of this first. And Jesus says, uh, follow me, leave the dead to bury their own dead. Is Jesus saying you can you can forget about your obligation to your family? Strange. Matthew 10. Joe, please read this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. All right. What do you guys think Jesus is saying here? Is he contradicting the fifth commandment? This is pretty um, extreme. Like, just imagine if you were to, um, if you were to uh, go up to someone and. He says, 
every relationship that you have, um, I'm going to flip it upside down. I'm going to, with your parents, with your parents-in-law, with your brothers and sisters, I'm going to turn you against all of them. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying, uh, in light of the fifth commandment, he's saying, this is what I'm telling you to do. Uh, We have more of this. Uh, Hanson, Luke 14, please. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You can't be a disciple of Jesus if you don't hate your family, if you don't hate your mother and father and sister and brother. Uh, we continue on. It's kind of like a, just continual head, sledgehammer blows. Uh, Matthew 19, tell please. <clears throat> and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Thanks. This goes back to what I said earlier about back in back in this day, if you were to marry, you still stayed with your parents. So um, bride, groom, they marry, they go and live with the, the groom's family. And here Jesus is saying, uh, even even this, if you want to follow me, you have to leave your parents. You're breaking the cultural norm. You're saying, I'm going to do something that is completely countercultural. I'm going to leave my parents. And... And if you're not willing to do this, you're, you can't be my disciple. Ashley, uh, I'm going to have you read Mark 10, please. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Thank you. So this is very similar to what we read in Matthew 19, um, there's no one who has left a house or a brother or sisters or mother or father or children or farms. I mean, keep in mind, when Jesus says this, he's saying this encompasses everything. Because back in the day, the way that you counted your wealth was with your land. Uh, so not only your relationships, but everything that you own materially. You have to leave this. But if you do, you'll get a reward. So... What do, what do you guys think? How do you think this... How do you think... Um, how does Jesus reconcile the fifth commandment to what he just said? What do you guys... Let me get some ideas from you. Tim. Honor, honor proceeds from uh, what God gives. From, from the source of all honor, which is God. So, the right, any 
in some way, only by having a right relationship with the progenitor of all good things, we have right relationships with everything else. Yeah. That's good. Tracy? Um, I think it kind of reminds me of the verse in Philippians where Paul is saying, like, I count all these, he's like, he counts all these things, all these things rubbish in comparison to the knowledge of knowing God. And he's not, I don't think he's saying that, like, his credentials and everything are not important, but just, like, when you compare it to all that God is and the glory of all that he is, in comparison, these things are rubbish. So I feel like, similarly, he's not saying that your parents are not important, but in comparison to all who of Christ is, your love for God should almost look like hate for your parents. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. So you guys are spot on, both uh, Tracy and Tim. Jesus is, when, when people hear um, this honor your parents, Jesus is is kind of priming the pump for us to think, what does it mean to be submissive to someone? What does it mean to fall under the, the, the control of someone who provides for you? How do you honor them? And Jesus says, like you guys, you guys were spot on, Jesus is saying that as much as you honor these people, this is this is the very beginning of how much you should honor me. As much as you're willing to sacrifice for your own family, I want you to sacrifice ten thousand times more than you do for for them. So this is why Jesus has this comparison. Your your love for me should look if you love me, you should love me so much that um, your affections for other people seem like hate. And we see Jesus redefining what it means to relate to other people and to relate to him. So it comes down to to what extent are we willing to follow and obey someone? We have these our example growing up of following and trusting someone growing up, right? Like if, if you were in as a child, if you're in a healthy parental child relationship, that the parents will provide for the child and will lead them and teach them and the, the child will say, I can hold my dad's hand, and I know that he loves me. I know that I can follow him. I know that I can trust him. And Jesus is saying, yes, that's good, but that is just a very small, small shadow of the trust and the love that you should have for me. So, um, like, one of the things that uh, people sometimes rag on, if you guys ever listen to Christian radio um, or Christian music radio, um, one of the taglines they still use now is, Music that's safe for the whole family, and uh, and you get you, you may have heard critiques about this, but a lot of the stuff we hear on Christian radio, it's uh might be a little bit not so demanding of us. It doesn't tell us you should die to your to your desires. It doesn't tell us that we should um, that the relationships that we have take uh, should should seem like hatred compared to our love for God. So if we if if the uh, if someone were to like just like take the whole like Bible and just sing through that and play that on Christian music radio, then the tagline of the radio station would not be family. It's not friendly for the whole family. It says this is going to destroy your relationships and it's going to destroy your desires and your whole life is going to fall apart because if you obey Jesus, um, you're not going to get what you naturally want. And this whole idea of family values is completely realigned. Your allegiance is not to your family, it's not to your country, it's to your king. All right? So here we have Jesus kind of uh, uh, mixing things up. He's actually completely redefining what a family is. Uh, Roxanne, can you have me read Matthew 12? Who 
is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and his mother. All right, so here Jesus is redefining what a family is. He's saying, it's not the people that I'm blood related to. But he's saying, if you are in the family of God, then you are my brother, you are my sister. Um, the the elders among us, these are our our fathers and mothers. And Jesus is saying here, and this is com- it's strange for us to understand, uh, and it's, it's it's hard to understand. But if you are a child of God, your your church family takes priority over your natural family. Okay, let me say that again. Your church family should take priority over your natural family. Jesus, Jesus is saying here, who are my brother and sister and mother and father? It's no longer the people that I'm blood related to. It's the people that I live my Christian life amongst. This is radical, I think. I mean, like, what? Do you, what do you, is this a little nutty? Yeah, I think for me, how I see it is that... Um, it doesn't diminish my love for my natural family. Like I love the kids, and I love, I can love them like I'll, I'll, I'll die for them, right? And so, it doesn't diminish that. It it just elevates church instead of you know like replacing mm-hmm. my natural family. So, so the way that I love my family, and I want to love even more the church and how I can serve people. And love people. Yeah. But the church is just the body of believers. So if our family is part of the church. Yeah. I feel like it is always going to be a unique relationship because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So if you have a family that is also Christian, then you have even more of a unique relationship. Mm-hmm. Because your point is to honor God in whatever you're doing when you're doing it together. And that's yeah. kind of like always your focus. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would say that it's less than like say, you know, the people in this room. Just right. because my family, that is our focus, mm-hmm. to honor God. Yeah. So I think you can have it, you can have it two different ways. Yeah. It is It is a unique dynamic, and I think because we don't, um, it, in this day and age, we don't really see it lived out, so it's, it's hard for us to understand. I don't totally understand it either. Um, but, yeah, it is It is something that we need to figure out, okay, how, how do I live life amongst these people here? Um, what does it look like to to consider like Tommy, um, my, my father, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's it's I think it's something that we need to think through, and um, maybe one day we'll we'll be a little bit closer to seeing each other's family. This is also just as a side note. This is why um, we are so adamant that people participate in church life. That it's important that you come on Sundays and go to community groups and whatever ways you can incorporate into the life of the church. It's not just because we want there to be a lot of activity in the church, but it's because we want to listen to what Jesus says and take that to heart and say, okay, these people really are that important that I'm willing to sacrifice for them, that I'm willing to to um, give up my own preferences for the good of my family, which is the church. Okay. Now let me go on. Uh, Catherine, John 19, please. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. 
Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. All right, thank you. This is Jesus on the cross, and he, he, he's looking at his disciple and his mother, and he says, This woman that is my mother, I'm saying now she's your mother. She's now your responsibility. And in the same way, this, this disciple of mine, mother, this is your son. And Jesus, again, is redefining what a family is. Who is your mother? It's the person who follows the will of God and is in the family of God. This is your mother. This is your father. So um, this is, uh, like, if Christine and I never have children, uh, it's cool because, you know, like, I don't know who's going to take care of us, but um, I'm hoping that there will be people that will obey Jesus and, <laughs> and say, okay, Wayne and Christine, these are my spiritual mother and father, and um, who's going to drive them to, to the uh, dialysis center? It's going to be one of their kids from church. Um, this is, I, I genuinely uh, hope that, and I believe that this can happen. And same for um, like the, the older people, like Tommy, he's been a father to many of us, and I hope it's, at some point um, we can provide for him we can help him and jesus is saying it's not just that um this is a nice thing to do this is what churches do it's not just because um we want you guys to take care of each other but it's because this is your father this is your mother this is your son this is your daughter jesus completely redefines what a family is he's saying as much as you love your brothers and sisters and father and mother love your church more and more than that love me even more be willing to submit yourself to me this is the point of the fifth commandment. When he says, honor your mother and father, he says, honor your mother and father in the Lord and ultimately honor me. He also mentions uh, in, in this, this promise, he says, if you honor mother and father, your, your days will be long. And the way that people thought about it in the old day was, um, and this is, this is true, uh, if you honor your mother and father, their land, their possessions will be passed down onto you so that you would have a foundation to build your life on and to provide for your ne- for the next generation. And he's saying, um, the general principle is, honor your mother and father, your days will be long in the promised land for the New Testament believers. Honor your father and mother. These are the ones that have left a legacy for you. They have set an example for you. You will, if you listen to them, if you honor them, you will become like them. You will be an example. You will leave a legacy for future generations. And one day you will live long in the true promised land. And this is the promise. And this is why the whole, like, one of the things I love about um, IGC is that we have a, um, we under, we, to, at least to some extent, we understand where we are in the long line of church history, meaning that we honor those that came before us. And we know that these people are smarter than us. They have gone through more than us. We read the creeds of from a third cent from the third century. We, we read the Westminster Confession of Faith, which which came out in the 1600s. We are standing on the to use a cliche. We're standing on the shoulders of giants. And we honor tradition. We honor legacy. We honor old people. We honor those that have come before us. And um, so we practice the faith of our fathers. We practice. The, the things that they believed as well. Okay, um, so uh, to close up, last four minutes. Our duty to our parents. Dom, can I have you read uh, Acts five twenty nine? Mm-hmm. But Peter and the apostles answered, "We must obey God rather than men." Okay, thank you. 
there, there, there will come a time, perhaps, when your parents want you to do something or not do something, and it goes against your conscience as a believer. And these are the times when it's right when your when your love for Jesus should supersede your love for your parents. So, for example, um, someone that that I grew up with for the longest time, he couldn't get baptized because um, his parents said. No, um, we don't like that you you're a Christian. We don't like that you um, that you're so involved in the church. And uh, he didn't get baptized until he was in his mid thirties. Um, even though he, for for fifteen years prior to that, he wanted to get baptized, and his parents said, "No, you don't. You're, uh, you don't. We don't want you to get baptized. You're living under our, our roof. You can't get baptized. You can't get baptized." And what would the scriptures say to him? The scriptures would say. Obey God rather than your parents. And if it means that your parents cut you off, then that's the price you're going to pay. If it means that your parents are going to disown you, then that's the price you must be willing to pay because your love for me, again, must be greater than your love for your parents. Um, Mark 7, Christine, please. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man can tell his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is forbidden, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. All right, thank you. Um, so set the context, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. And the Pharisees are these religious rulers who said, who, who were looking for a way to um, forget the Fifth Commandment. And the way they did it was, if you had um, a sum of money or something set aside for offering, you could say, um, it should have gone to my parents, but I'm going to say that it's going to go to my to God. So this this uh, name Corbin, uh, we actually have a Corbin in our church. If you see him today, or if you, if you see his parents, you can tell him, I know what your son's name means. It means gift to God. So Corbin is a gift to God. These Pharisees are saying, um, this money that I have set aside for my parents, I'm going to say, it's I'm, I'm going to call it Corbin. This belongs to God, so I'm not going to give it to my parents. But actually what these re- Pharisees were doing is they were relying on the traditions of other Pharisees. And they said, I'm actually going to keep some of this for myself, but I've set aside a percentage of it to the, to the temple or, or to the synagogue. And these people were trying to um, to to not follow the fifth commandment. They were looking for an excuse. And they said, um, Corbin, this is my gift to God. It doesn't belong to my parents. And Jesus is saying, no, you still have to honor your parents. You still have to, even if, even if it means um, financial hardship for you, you still have a duty to honor your parents. So Jesus doesn't play fast and loose with the fifth commandment. He says, your duty to your parents still, even after I've said um, that, that you should obey me more than God, or obey me more than you obey man, it should still be that you honor your parents despite the hardship that it may cause, um, even if it means there there's the different things that play into uh, family difficulties. Um, let me go on... Uh, Last two verses, uh, Ephesians 6, Harry. Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in your life. Thank you. And Tommy, Tommy uh, Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is, committing to one another of 
reverence for Christ. All right, thank you. So, again, in the epistles, we're told that this commandment still stands. Honor your mother and father. Uh, you are to, out of, and the key here is, you do these things out of reverence for Christ. So you honor your parents out of reverence for Christ. Whether or not they're believers, you honor them. You, you respect them. You acknowledge them. You provide for them. And the reason you do this is because you revere Christ. This is a shadow of how much you honor and respect and trust Christ. All right, so that's the fifth commandment. Um, there's a, any questions, comments before we close off? Okay, I'm going to close. God, thank you so much for uh, being so good to us and being the ultimate heaven, ultimate father by uh, providing for us and giving us life and, um, and teaching us through your word, God. So we submit to you knowing that you are doing everything out of loving wisdom for us. So I pray that we would have our relationships with our parents um, realigned to what they should be. And we ask for the grace to do that, God. So um, be with us as we worship together with the rest of our church family in a few minutes. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.